Thank you for listening to this message from Flow Church, a brand new church plant in the city of Melbourne, Australia. We pray that this word will help you experience and express the goodness of God in every sphere and season of life. Um, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you brought all of us in this place, um, even those who are joining us online. We could be doing anything else, but we have chosen to show up here. And so I don't know where we're at in our walk with you, whether we're close to you or we feel far away. But I thank you that your heart is a heart of grace that inclines towards us. And I pray that every single one of us will hear your voice more than my words, uh, that we will hear your voice, Holy Spirit, that you speak to us, that we won't just get information today, but we will get courage, we'll get revelation, we'll get direction for our lives. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we've been going through the book of Luke, um, and today we're going to be looking at Luke um, chapter 12. And so if you've got your papers just on the reverse side, um, and we're going to be reading um, a really, I think, um, topical passage um, for us this morning. So we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 34. So um, this is Jesus doing one of his um, big teaching, and it's in response to someone actually um asking him about basically what is a sibling dispute, which I think many of us might relate. So someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So sibling rivalry is like thousands of years old. Like it has happened from the very beginning. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And this is what Jesus said. A man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who are you? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. But that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the, pagans, uh, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. 
sell your possessions and give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. So we've been going through the book of Luke, which is one of the Gospels that talks about the life of Jesus, right? And so we've been going through quite a few of the different chapters, jumping around a little bit. And this was a chapter that we were studying um, this week. And it's actually so topical with so many of the things that have been happening the last couple of months. Um, I'm not a big crypto guy. I don't want this a little bit, but the like the market has been going a little bit crazy. So uh, there's this uh, cryptocurrency called Luna um, that had one week hit their top price of like $120 um, per, per crypto coin. That was what it was worth. And then the following week, it went to less than 0.2 cents. It went, it, went, it went to two cents, basically. It went from $120 to two cents. And there was actually this one um, YouTuber who put in $2.8 million into Luna. And the very next day, it was worth less than $1,000. The very, very next day. And so it was such, it's been such a crazy time with the economy for so many um, different reasons. Obviously, we've got crypto, we've got supply chain issues, you know, with the war, with the pandemic. Um, if we just think about like climate change, um, the town of Lismore that just got hit by floods over and over again, there was this one person who had just. Um, I think renovated and rebuilt from the previous flood and then the flood came again and he was like, I'm out, I'm done. Um, and I'm, I'm actually going to go to back. I'm from Singapore, as Lockie said. I think Singapore is pretty good food. <laughs> chicken rice is, is pretty good. We're going to have chicken rice today. Chicken, like, okay, let's not have a fight about this, right? Let's, let's, this is what our church fights about, not predestination or like things like that. We fight about chicken rice and stuff. But there is a supply chain issue in Singapore because Malaysia is keeping all the chickens to themselves. And so, uh, so some of the chicken rice stores have to temporarily close because 30% of the chickens that Singapore has come from Malaysia. That is a crisis, guys. Forget the petrol prices. Chicken rice shortage is a real, like, challenging um, issue, right? So uh, there's all these things that that just goes to show that, um, you know, the economy and, and, and things like that are, are really, really preca precarious. Um, and it doesn't look like it might end at any point. Like we might hope that it ends, but it doesn't look like it might end at any point. And even if times are going well, the truth is that with all of us, there could be many different reasons why um, our circumstances could change just very basic things of like, you know, having a sudden car accident and not, you know, not renewing your insurance at that particular point of time or whatever. There's just all these things that could actually affect um, our professions and our circumstances beyond all the global things uh, that are going on. And so it's really, really important for us to really think about how we feel about finances, how we feel about um, yeah, the things the things that we have because those are just really really real issues and scripture is very practical and Jesus has very relevant things to say to all of us. Um, but I don't know about you, I find it really awkward to talk about money. Like I find like like it can be like a sensitive issue to talk about. I don't know whether it's an upbringing thing, uh, but it's kind of like a weird thing, you know. Like it's not something that you bring up. Um, as dinner conversations, like, oh, how much do you earn? Or this is how much I earn, or whatever. Like, this is just kind of like a weird thing. It's like it's weird to talk um, about money 
in a way that may not necessarily be the case with, with some other with some other things. Um, but on the other hand, we're also like really obsessed with the life of the wealthy. Like there is so many reality programs that people follow that is just uh, about people being rich. <laughs> That's really what it's, it's like rich people being rich. And what's their job? <laughs> just being rich. I think there's one called like Bling Empire, yeah. which is like, yeah, it's like, it's like crazy. Okay, it's like a whole thing. People are following people and, and, and stuff like that, like a lot of Instagrammers and stuff like that. There's this one, um, I think TikToker, all he does is he goes around to people with fancy cars and he asks them what they do as a job and and this guy has like millions of followers and so i think the reason why it's awkward to talk about money is also the same reason why we're kind of a little bit obsessed about it because at the end of the day it's not really about money so much as what money is able to do because money basically is a form of power money is a form of power it's not that what it is in of itself is that money um gives us um power and the reason why I say it's not just money in of itself, there's this other guy called um, Stefan Thomas. Even if you don't know the name, you might know this person because this story has been going around. So he was like an early adopter of Bitcoin. And so he was gifted um, thousands of Bitcoin very early on because he was doing something. I think he was presenting a, a seminar or whatever. So he was given um, thousands of Bitcoins very early, very early on. And back then, there wasn't a lot of real protocols. And so the way you keep cryptocurrency is in a, um, it's in a digital wallet, right? And that could be a bunch of different things. It could be on a server. It could be on a USB stick. It could be on your hard drive. And so he kept it on a USB stick. And this was a special USB stick where you only get 10 tries with the password <laughs> to actually get, um, to get the, it, it's, it's just in this um, USB stick. And he has tried eight times. And he has two more tries to get to the USB stick. And this is this USB stick is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> and so he has all this wealth and has all this money, but he can't do anything with it, which is like, oh my goodness. Is it worse? Is it worse to to is it worse to have the money and can't reach it or to never have the money? I think the like like the latter is worse, right? So it's not even just about having the money, but it's it's about what the money is actually able to do and so if you can't get to it if you can't use it then there's there's no point it's just it's just currency floating around in the air and so because it's it's, it's power we have an interesting relationship with it you know it's one of the it's one of the forms of power that we recognize in our world today and that's why it is the source of so much family squabbles because it is not about the money, it is about the power. It's about the power dynamics that are there. It's about who has control. How do we affect the things that we think are important in our lives? That's why this is what it came out from, right? Like this came out from a family dispute, essentially, between a man and his brother about inheritance, right? Like we think it's about money, but really it's about power. It's about a family issue. And that's why we also see that, that it's a source of tensions for couples that I think after infidelity, money is the second highest reason why people choose um, to, to get a divorce. And it's not about money, but it's about control and it's about power. And so for those of us who um, you know, follow Jesus, we need to really think about our relationship with money and finances um, because 
the the power of money um, for us as Christians, we need to recognize that it is tempting, but it actually is is finite. And so one of the reasons why we want to have that power of, of, of money is for a whole bunch of different things. But a big one is security, right? It, it gives us a sense of security, a sense um, of, of safety. But we as Christians actually have to recognize, and actually not even just Christians, just in general, we all have to recognize that the power of money is actually finite. That there is not a guarantee of happiness. It's not a guarantee of of a life well lived, um, and that actually, um, you know, like there's so many ways where 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 money is able to to, to disappoint us. Um, I also think about like so many of us, like a lot of us, I think come from like immigrant backgrounds or maybe like working class backgrounds or, or things like that. And so often when, you know, whether pressure has been placed upon us or we're putting pressure on our kids to pursue certain, um, you know, like certain, certain um, professions, like the Holy Trinity, right, that we know. <laughs> For Asians, the Holy Trinity is basically like doctor, lawyer, engineer. It's like that's a three. And then maybe we're okay with like if you do a commerce degree or whatever, right? Like that's that's kind of like the three. Um, my friends um, in the U.S., um, they're first-generation Korean immigrants. Uh, both of them went to Ivy League universities. One went to Cornell, one went to Harvard. Um, and so the parents were really excited, right? One chose to be a musician and one chose to be an actor, <laughs> which is like, but actually the actor is doing really, really well now. The actor is actually um, on a lot of shows that you would probably have seen. And then the, the musician became a pastor. So it's like all, all that investment and all that pressure ultimately um, 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 came, came, came to, 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 to nothing for the parents because they're feeling um, stressed out. But um, yeah, but for us as, 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 as Christians, um, we, we have to see that actually the kind of life that we're supposed to kind of follow and, and the, the people that, the, 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 the things that we're supposed to put our trust in is to put our trust in, in Jesus. That's what Jesus is basically saying in this particular story. It's like, you can't put your trust in money because who knows what's going to happen. Like the market could crash. Things could happen. Things could be fleeting. We need to recognize that actually all these things are quite ephemeral. You know, your kids might disappoint you and choose to become an actor or a musician, you know, whatever that case might be. And this might be like a hard lesson for us to listen now living in 21st century Australia, but it is a really tough lesson for the first hearers of Luke's gospel. The first hearers of Luke's gospel was living in first century Palestine. The majority of them were living a life of subsistence. And so many Jewish people were waiting for a Messiah. They were waiting for someone who is a king that was going to come and like be the answer to their dreams, right? Because that is the gospel that this Messiah is coming. And there's like a comparison because that's not the only gospel that is being presented. That's a life of Jesus, which is a life of sacrifice, which is came as a carpenter, died on a cross. But another gospel was being presented at the same time, and that's the gospel of Rome and the gospel of Caesar. The gospel of Rome and the gospel of Caesar is that if you have money, then you have power. If you have money, then you have security. Um, and one of the reasons why so many people struggled to put their trust in Jesus is because that is not the kind of king that they want. 
the kind of king that they wanted was the one that looks a little bit more like Caesar, that had power, that had wealth, and had um and had and and had influence. That's why the story of the tax collectors in scripture is really, really interesting. Because all these people are saying, I'm not gonna put my trust in God, I'm gonna put my trust in money. You know? And that temptation is for us Christians as well. We might say that we put our trust in God, but our actions actually betray um, our deepest convictions and intentions. Um, but we, when, and that's why with regards to, to, to money and the, the lure about it is that it is so tempting because it gives us a sense of security. It gives us the illusion that we are in control and that we have everything uh, under wraps. But this particular gospel shows us the truth is that we don't know when tragedy is going to hit us, right? Like anything could hit us at any time, you know, like, um, and, and, and I think that's something that we're so aware of now in a way that we never were because the news is so unrelenting. We hear bad news over and over and over again. And that might drive all of us to say, hey, let's accumulate. Let's just put our trust in all these other things. Let's chase all these things. And it's not bad to work hard. It's not bad to try to, to, to be the best and to steward what God has given you. But what are we putting our trust in, you know? And, and that's why there is actually an opportunity for us um, in relation to how we manage our money to recognize that the power of money is finite, but that the power of God is not, you know? And that's why in this particular passage, uh, where it talks about how this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but are not rich towards God. Um, and not only is the way we handle our money um, an opportunity for us to figure out what we ultimately trust and recognize as powerful, the way we manage our money also helps us to decide what we think about God's character. Like, do we believe that God is good? So Hebrews 11.6, um, we do a Bible reading plan here as a church, and we've been going through the New Testament. So recently read through Hebrews, it talks a lot about faith. And Hebrews 11, 6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God because you have to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And so the reason why I believe God, I think that passage really summarizes it. The reason why I have faith in God, the reason why I trust God is because I believe that God is true, that God is good, and God is powerful, right? So God doesn't, God doesn't just... Um, love us and is for us, but God is able to reward those who eagerly seeks him. So it doesn't just speak to God's character, it speaks to God's power. And so the way we orient our finances and whether we want to actually prioritize God's, um, what he does is not just about, do we recognize his power? It's like, do we actually recognize his goodness? Like, do we actually trust God to look after ourselves? Because we might think that God is powerful. We might think that God is um, is able to do everything, but we may not actually trust his character and trust that he will actually look after us. On the other hand, we might think that God is good, but not very powerful. That's the, that's the other thing um, that, that is there. Um, but that's why the way we manage our finances is really powerful because it gives us an opportunity to say um, that I trust that God is able and eager to look after me. 
the reason why I don't have to be so concerned with my own welfare is because I trust that my God is going to look after my welfare. Um, and not only that he's going to look after my welfare necessarily in this life, but also in the life to come, right? Like in verse 27 to 31, um, it talks about how God is going to look after us, you know, that God is going to um, care about some of the things that we care. So it talks about eating, drinking, it talks about clothes it's for the people who like their clothes. You know, God cares about those issues as well. But I love the line. It says that your father knows that you need them. Your father knows that you need them. It speaks to God's character, not just his power, but it speaks to God's character. And that if we seek his kingdom first, all these things will be given to us um, as well. Um, and it also talks about um, later on about how we want to um, store up treasures for ourselves that will endure, that will not, that will not go out. And so I think one of the things that we need to, to preach about a lot, and I believe that God's a good God, that God will do good things for us in this life. But as Christians, we need to know that this life is not all there is, that there is actually a life to come where God is going to make sure that everything is resolved and that, that, that he will make things all things good again. And so that helps us cope with some of the tragedies that goes on in the world. Because, like, obviously the news that has been coming in over from America has been insane the last couple of weeks with all the shootings. It is, this is the richest, most powerful nation in the world. But most of us really don't think that the money is going to get them anywhere. Like, we don't know how that is actually going to resolve. And if all you have is you or people to put your trust in, that will just lead to despair. That will just lead to despair. But if you believe that there is a God and that there is a life to come, then you can trust that, that God is able to make things all good in his own time. Um, because that's what this, this, this message says, is that there is a treasure in heaven that will never fail. When no thief comes near and no moth will destroy. Um, and so that's the kind of God that we, we, we serve. Um, the kind of God that we serve is very different from Caesar. The kind of king that we serve is very different from the guy who's like trying to flex and get all the get all the the, the, the stuff, but was able to make himself low, um, and so the father exalted him, and that's the example. Um, yeah, the example and 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 the the model of the way that we should kind of uh, model our lives. So what we do with our money um, reveals. Um, our trust and we trust God because he's true because he's good and because he's powerful but um, what we do with our finances also not just reveals our trust it actually helps train our trust mm. so I um, think that a really um, helpful thing for everyone to do is tithing right we don't talk about tithing a whole bunch here in our church um, there's actually people who love God, super smart, know the scriptures better than I do on both sides. Some people believe that tithing is a commandment that all Christians have to do. Other people think it's not necessarily something that we all have to do. There are different um, viewpoints on this particular issue, and we probably won't be able to resolve it 100%. But what we definitely can see is that tithing is a pattern in scripture all across. Um, and we see that it happened before the Torah was given, like I think 
Noah, I think, gave a tithe. I think Abraham gave a tithe. So this was before Moses gave the law. Tithing was a pattern that preceded the law. And if anything, if we look at the New Testament, they didn't just tithe. They gave everything. If you read Acts that Luke also wrote, it said that they sold all their possessions and everything in common. They were like, we don't even have to talk about tithing. They were just like giving everything away. And I really do believe that for the majority of Christians, the majority of time, tithing is a really good spiritual practice for all of us. And if you go onto our website under the giving details, we give three reasons for why we give. We honor God, we build the church, and we bless other people, right? And so the thing about honoring God with our tithe is just like a really um, practical thing to do. I love tithing. I've been doing that for um, a, a super long time. And one of the reasons why I love to do that is because it helped grows my faith. And faith is like a muscle. It, it grows under a right amount of pressure, right? And so um, I think about like old people with financial institutions and in IT. Um, how many people, you know, you hear the story about how like grandmas, they don't trust the banks. And so they put their, their uh, money under their, their mattresses and all that kind of stuff. And the reason why they don't trust the banks is because is it's, it's another person. So I'm not going to give my money away. But if you, if you first give your money to the bank and then you go away and you come back later and you find that the money is still there, your trust grows, right? Yeah. So that's like with online shopping, right? The first time online shopping <laughs> happened, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm giving my credit card details to a stranger. Someone is going to scam me. It's a scary prospect initially, but the more you do it over time, you're like, oh, it is trustworthy because it has demonstrated over time that my money isn't going to get scammed, right? So the greatest sense of betrayal I've ever had um, was when I was a child. Okay, greatest sense of betrayal was when I was a child and it was by my mom. And what happened was uh, I went to kindergarten, right? And so my mom dropped me off at kindergarten and she promised me that she wasn't going to go away. So I, I was like losing my mind and all that kind of stuff. The parents can all relate, right? So I, and then suddenly I, go, I was like, okay, you're not going to go away. Okay, fine. So I was just sitting there and I was like, I was like paying attention and I suddenly turned around and I noticed that my mom was gone and I lost my mind. I lost my mind. I'm like, you are a liar. You are selling me to like, you're selling, you know, you, you, you could have, I'm going to be kidnapped by gangsters and made to beg on the streets of Thailand. It's terrible. But like, that, that was like the story that was being told. Um, and funnily enough, my mom came back and she actually picked me up and I was like, oh, it was okay. And so over time, I didn't freak out about going to kindergarten. And so my trust in my mom grew. Mm. And that was because my relationship with my mom was placed under pressure, sufficient amount of pressure over time that I realized we don't even have to be on the same continent. We have a bond that cannot be broken, mm. right? So that's our relationship with God as well. Our relationship with God grows, our trust in God grows, because love and trust is, is, is not this necessarily the same thing. Because kids love their parents, but they may not trust their parents, because that's the reason why you cry at kindy, right? Like you think your parents are not going to come back. There's a lack of trust. But after repetition, you're like, oh, there's a bond there. One of the ways we grow in our trust with God with our, is through our finances. Mm -hmm. So if you find it scary to give 10%, um, at, at, the, at the very beginning, then give 1% or 2%, whatever you can. But th that, that is a starting point to actually help build um, your relationship and your trust with God. 
and seeing God come through over time. And that's why I think 10% just is a really good place to start. But I guarantee you, if you're on a journey of trusting God, God's not just going to ask for 10%. It's going to like increase. It's going to be like this other thing that you're going to give that. It's like, but it, it's just a very practical thing that I think a majority of us um, should adopt as a spiritual um, practice. And every time I give, I remind myself that God is good and powerful. That's one of the things that, that I, I have an opportunity to do is I get to remind myself that God is good and powerful, that God is the most powerful thing there is, and that all the things that I have doesn't actually belong to me. And actually, it also helps me remind myself that God is actually more trustworthy than I am. Because mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I keep the 10% if we struggle is yeah. because, it, because I think I can do better yeah. for me with the 10% than God can. That is part of that is part of the challenge, right? Like the reason why we struggle to to give to God often is because we don't think that God is for us. That is that is that is key to that, and um, so there's like that tension, right? Like there's that tension because on one hand, um, when we give, it grows our trust, but it also is like you know sometimes it it, it helps um, stay to ourselves, right? That God, I I do trust you. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one of the real important ways and, and, and great ways that we can train our trust is by um, giving, um, giving to God and, and through tithing. But the second thing is about building the church as well. And, and one of the reasons why tithing to like a church is great is because God loves the church. You know, God loves the church. And when we look throughout history, God has always looked to the people, to his people um, to, to build his temple and to, 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 to build his ministry. And I can understand that this can be really, really difficult. Um, I'm one of those people who, by, na- by nature, I question everything. So I'm na- naturally like anti-authoritarian. And I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing. It's like a, just a personality. A, a pers- it's just a, it's part of it is just like a personality thing. Um, and so when I was growing up, I definitely had to think to myself, like, oh, man, like, do I have to give if I don't trust the church? Like, if I don't trust the leadership, if I don't, you know, like, I had all these questions that, like, accountability and a whole bunch of stuff. And so I think there are three reasons why it can be a struggle for us to give to a church, right? One, that the church is corrupt. Two, that the church is incompetent. And I don't know which one is worse, actually. It's like, <laughs> why? I remember, I remember um, in, in the previous life, it's like this church building fund. It's like, the, I mean, like we've given every, how is the building still not built? You know, like, like sometimes incompetence is more frustrating than even corruption. At least you're smart. At least the corrupt person is like smart, right? Sometimes incompetence is more frustrating, depending on what kind of person you are. And then sometimes it's just a misalignment of priorities. Sometimes the church has just a misalignment of priorities. Sometimes you are the kind of person who is like, social justice is the most important thing, and so you want more of your money to go there. Other people could be like, oh, prayer is really important. Other people, teaching could be really important. Other people, worship is really important. And so there could be a misalignment of priorities. And so those are like three things, corruption, incompetence, misalignment of priorities. Um, And I'm not sure that all this will, or what I'm going to say next, is going to help resolve everything. But there's a couple of things, right? The issue of like um, the followers of God and having problems with money happened from the very beginning. Because like Judas, the traitor, was the treasurer. Like the very person who betrayed Jesus was the person who had, it's like, 
oh my gosh, it's there from the very beginning. So at least it makes me less upset by everything that's happening because I'm like, okay, this is a problem that we as followers of Jesus has been dealing with mm. since 2000 years ago, right? Um, it also makes me feel better in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus recognizes that there is corruption in the church. Like Luke chapter 19 was when Jesus actually went and overturned the tables and flipped tables and said, you've made it into a den of these. and Like he recognizes that sometimes there is corruptions and issues within the church. But interesting enough, Luke chapter 21 was where there was this woman, this poor widow um, that Jesus saw, right? And she gave out, she gave the, the two um, pieces of, of coins that she, she gave. And Jesus says, this woman gave more than all the rich people give because she gave out of her poverty and she gave everything. And that story really helped me resolve in my mind the way mm -hmm. I give to, to the church is that Jesus didn't tell the widow not to give. Mm -hmm. He didn't say, stop, don't give because this is a corrupt institution. I just flip tables. Don't give to this corrupt institution, especially since you're giving away from, you know, you're a poor person. No, Jesus commended this woman for giving. And so the way I've kind of resolved with regards to, to giving to the church is that one, I just know that there's no such thing as a perfect church. No, no such thing, right? And, and I want to have grace for, for others because I want grace for myself. But also I recognize that at the end of the day, um, is that mine? Yeah, it's mine. Oh dear. <laughs> I don't know where it is. It's in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> like, is the food here? <laughs> I, I think the food is here. <laughs> I think the food is here. Uh, um, but um, yeah, so, so one of the things I realized from that particular story um, and it being so close together in the book of Luke is this, is that ultimately we have to give an account for how we manage our finances. And then they have to give an account for how they manage their yeah. finances. Yeah. So God is not, when we go to heaven one day, God's not going to ask us, hey, did you like do a cost benefit analysis and audited your church? That is not, God's going to ask you, what did you do with your finances? Mm -hmm. And then one day for those of us who are in ministry or whatever it is, when we go to before God, we have to give an account for how we manage the finances. Mm -hmm. And those are two separate things. And that's not to say that, don't use wisdom. That's not to say don't have accountability. Don't look into people. Like, I think that all these things are really, really important. But it certainly helps me realize at the end of the day, I have to trust that God is God. And I also know that God will make sure that if you are misspending the finances, God will make sure you will get what's coming to you one way or other in this life or in, in, in the life to come. And, and so... Um, so I, you know, I, I really do as a church, when people ask us, oh, so is tithing something that we do? I, I believe that the principle of tithing is an important one that I encourage all of us um, to adopt in our lives. Um, the final point that I want to make is that um, we talked about how money is power, right? Money is a recognition of power, recognition of our own power or God's power. Um, and it is powerful. And so what Jesus says here in this passage is we should be rich towards God and we should also sell our possessions um, and give to the poor. And so the power that we do have, the money that we do have is from God and we should leverage the power on behalf of those who don't have power. 
that is what we are called to do as followers of God. We are called to actually reflect um, His goodness um, and His will um, in the world. And as a church, we're trying to figure out, we don't want to rush into things because we don't want to just give money away or get involved in social justice things to make ourselves feel good. It's not about that. It's not about like, look at how amazing we are. We really want to make a difference. So we're really studying um, different issues and where we can make a real difference in the lives of people. But I want to encourage all of us to look at our finances and think to ourselves, are we giving away to someone? And it doesn't have to be a cause. It could be someone in your world who needs to go to university and they can't afford it. Someone who, who can't get access to, to medical help. Um, you know, those kind of things. Like we need to make sure that what we, that the finances that God has given us, the power that God has given us, that we're actually leveraging it for the sake of other people. Um, and people are the only people that we get to take with, you know, it's the only, it's the only currency that is worth um, investing in um, is the only currency that is going to last um, forever. <laughs> I'm going to get Timmy to join me, um, play a little bit um, in the background. I want to end the story. I want to end like my message, which, you know, has been a bit scattered, but it's all good. I'm sure, I, I, you know, last night I was actually at a box and we were playing this VR game. Um, and we were just spraying. And really, you know what? If you just spam, something's going to land. <laughs> and so I hope something landed with you. But I want to end the story with, um, uh, with, with just recounting about my grandmother. Our, our, all of us with our relationship with um, finances, it's going to be so impacted by the family that we come from the kind of circumstances that we grew up in. And so my grandparents on my dad's side were very, very, very poor. Um, when I found out later on in life that my dad nearly got given away as a child because they maybe weren't able to keep him, I was like, that explains a lot of the reasons why my dad behaves what he behaves, right? Fin finances were really tight on my grandmother's side. But they had a really strong faith in God. They loved God. They made church a priority for them. And so towards the end of my grandma's life, when she was really sick and she couldn't actually go to church anymore, the pastor would visit them. And what my grandma would always do is that she would put her money in her envelope and give it to the pastor. And the reason for that is because her trust is ultimately in the Lord. And so sometimes when we come to church, we can feel like it's a money grab or it can be a whatever. And that's not what it's all about, because it actually is about where is our heart? Because that's what the Bible says, you know, where your treasure is, where your heart is also. And so God is not interested in what in the finances or the money. And as a church, that's not what we're interested in about. The question ultimately is, what do we believe about God's power? And what do we believe about God's character? And I believe that there are all of us in this place because of all the bad news that we're hearing, the temptation is to put our trust in money or whatever that is, whatever assets that we have, because there's so much fear in the world. And so I want to encourage us as, as we sing a song in a couple of moments to realign our hearts towards God and if some of us struggle in this place is that, God, honestly, I don't trust you. And I've been in that place where I'm like, God, I want to trust you. But let's be real. We both know that I don't. <laughs> um, I love 
that God has shown time and time again in Scripture that if we take one step towards Him, He runs towards us. That sometimes all we need to do is like God, I only have just a little bit. Like literally, um, you know, someone, someone I know this um, will resonate with them in this congregation. But God says you don't need a lot of faith. You just need a mustard seed faith. You just need a little bit of faith, and I will run towards you. Um, and so I just want us to, after hearing so much stuff, to, to take some time to just process that. But for those of us who are good with God, we trust God, we trust His power, we trust His character. I want us to ask the question, am I doing enough um, for the sake of the world? Because there's so much pain and suffering in the world. Is there, God, are you calling me to do more? So not necessarily selling everything and giving to the poor, but God, is there needs in the world? Am I, have I been too self-centered and not focusing on the pain and the struggles in the world? And I believe that God will speak to us in these two ways. So why don't we stand to our feet? Heavenly Father, Lord, we've just um, had an opportunity to just study your word. Um, and Lord, you said that your word is like seed, right? It's it's it's, it's almost like an asset that, that has investment, that has return. And so we pray right now that your seed of your word will land in our hearts in a, in a powerful way. Because I know, God, Lord, that there's so many wealthy people in the world who are still worried, who are still scared. And that wealth is not a guarantee of peace. That wealth is not a guarantee of happiness or meaning. And we don't just want the money, God. We want the, the life that is on offer behind it. And we know that your word says that you come to give us life and life more abundantly. And so I pray that you speak to each of us next steps about what we need to do with our finances, God. Um, whether that's just to put our trust in you more, whether that's to, to reflect you more and to give it away. I pray that you speak to us, God. 